Hello and welcome to Dog Save the People, a podcast about how dogs make our lives better. My name is John Bartlett, and I'm your host. Cheryl Dunleavy is the founder of the Ann Park Collection, where she curates dog-centric art of past and present. Woven through these antiques are stories tied to the historical significance of the human and dog bond. A big inspiration for Cheryl and the collection is Queen Victoria, who ruled in England in the mid-1800s. Victoria had a close bond with her childhood dog, Dash, and under her rule, she would go on to have a big influence on normalizing dogs as part of the home and part of the family, not just as working animals. In addition, Victoria set off a whole industry of dog-related art, coming full circle with Cheryl's collection today. And just one more thing before we go on to the interview. If you could share this podcast, maybe your favorite episode or two, this would really help to spread the word about how dogs make our lives better. And now, on to the show. Good morning, Cheryl. Welcome to Dog Save the People. How are you today? Good morning, John. I'm doing great, and thank you so much for having me. Now, where are we speaking to you from? I am at home in Connecticut. I live in a town called Darien, which is not far across the New York border. Before we get into your own history about your work and dogs and the business that you've created, I wanted to ask you about where did you grow up and what was your relationship like with dogs growing up? Well, we always had dogs growing up. My family lived in a bunch of places. We started in Chicago and moved around a lot, but we always had our dogs with us, mainly Shetland sheepdogs. Have a real love for Shelties. They're miniature mm. collies. They're incredibly loyal dogs yes. and uh, beautiful dogs. Now in our own life, my husband and I have always had dogs and always a Sheltie, but now we have a Cavalier King Charles as well. I know for myself as a child, we had dogs, we had black Labradors. The dogs, we had a couple of them, they were always part of our lives. But as a child, I didn't really connect with them in the way that I do as an adult. Did you feel a special connection to dogs growing up? I really did. You know, there's nothing like coming home and having your dog waiting there at the door for you. The nose is there when you open the door and a crack and then the tail's wagging and Whether you've had the best day in the world or something terrible happened, the unconditional love of your dog is there for sure. And that's something that I wanted to get to next because I think a big part of the inspiration of your work has been around the idea of Queen Victoria and everything that she brought to the world of domestic pets and dogs especially. Can you give me a little bit of background about Queen Victoria and the inspiration that you have found in her life? A little bit of background about Queen Victoria. She had an incredibly sheltered childhood at Kensington Palace. Her mother, who was the Duchess of Kent, I believe, wanted to limit outside influences on Victoria and wanted to be really the only influence in her life. And as a result, young Victoria didn't have any playmates historians look back at her diaries and there's no references to any playmates. She played with her dolls, but she also played with her Cavalier King Charles Spaniel, Dash. And the diaries have references to her Dashy or her dear, dear Dashy. And clearly this was her constant companion. 
In fact, when she became the queen at age 18, such a young age, a teenage girl having such a responsibility, shortly after her coronation on that day, she returned home to Buckingham Palace to give Dash his bath. (laughs) She had all of her dogs painted. Painter named Edwin Lansdier was extremely popular at the time, and he was Victoria's first and favorite dog painter. He painted her family, but he also painted her dogs. But he painted them in kind of a home setting. There would almost be a human element. The dog would be sitting on a piece of furniture. And these paintings grew in popularity because they were reproduced as etchings. So the general public all got to know Queen Victoria's dogs. Certainly they knew all about Dash. And why do you think these portraits were so interesting to the public? It was a phenomenon of sorts. So many paintings before that had been sporting paintings, which are beautiful in their own right, where dogs were really working. Right. But this is a totally different kind of a genre. It's all about the relationship between the person and the dog. And they tell a story about what happened at that time. She really changed the way people felt about dogs. She reigned from 1837 to 1901. And before that time, dogs were working dogs. They were not really brought into the home. As pets, certainly, common people kind of made satirical drawings about how frivolous dogs were, and they certainly wouldn't be considered members of the family. They lived with the other working animals. Can you speak a little bit about what the moral value or the lessons that having a pet instilled in this particular culture? Sure. Well, Victoria was all about the family. She had eight children and many dogs. And family values were so important to the British people. Victoria's predecessors had not had such a kind of a moral virtue that she possessed. And so they really appreciated that in her. And she then you know, brought those kind of values to the public. She was a big patron for the Society of the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals, and she didn't want animals to suffer needlessly in the pursuit of science. In fact, she gave real respectability to the society when she designated it the Royal Society. And she was all about caring for these dogs. She had kennels on her property at Windsor Castle. She had strict rules about how they were to be treated. They were to be treated equally, even if one wasn't as good-looking as another. They were all to be treated well. They couldn't have their ears cropped or their tails docked. They couldn't be muzzled. Once born, a puppy couldn't be put down. So the public all knew about this, and it changed the public's feelings about how dogs should be treated. And now dogs were real members of the family, and really no home was complete without a dog. And I believe that during this period that the Victorians began to idealize the home as a sacrosanct space. And so the pets were really a part of this, a reflection of this celebration of domestic life. Absolutely. They decorated their homes with paintings of dogs and needlepoint of dogs and ceramics of dogs, all sorts of things. Staffordshire, the potters, they are kind of sensed the commercial opportunity that Dash and Queen Victoria's other dogs presented and went from 
creating dishes and plates and things like that to creating Staffordshire dogs. They're pretty simple pieces of pottery, but they're very cheerful. They started in 1840 creating these dogs, and that coincides with the Victorian era. So she was clearly very influential on what was considered the folk art of the time. Amazing. And I'm so drawn to folk art of this past century, I guess the 1900s. I do collect sort of folk art of like very simple, primitive mm-hmm. type of dog sculptures. And I get it. And as a dog lover, I'm drawn to this as well. But I wanted to talk a little bit about your transition, Cheryl, of your own career and how you have come to create the Ann Park Collection. I was part of a family business for 25 years and we sold that business. And I was thinking about what I could do next as a business that would involve dogs. So many things that I have given to people that seem to have resonated with them or so many things that people have given to me have to do with a dog theme. And I happen to love antiques and the sense of history that they bring us. So I decided to combine these two things together and create an antique business that focuses on dogs and dog art and dog antiques. Cheryl, what are some of your favorite pieces or some of the pieces that really stand out to you in particular? Favorites, I would say we have a pair of spaniels that's carrying a bouquet of flowers in their mouths. Those are little added touch and a lot of color and they're a lot of fun. We have a pretty wide selection of Staffordshire pottery. And like I said, these were originally created in 1840 up until around 1900. Over time, the potters created all the breeds that Queen Victoria might have had from Pomeranians to Pekingese to Collies and Whippets. Oh, that's fantastic. And I love that it is so focused. And I think that for you, it would bring in so much joy and just that discovery of all of these pieces, but also keeping them alive and celebrating them and showing them and bringing them to market in a sense. Exactly. So many decorators have incorporated dogs, paintings, because they bring a real comfort to the home and put a smile on your face. I did a show this summer in East Hampton, New York, an antique show there, and so many people came by the booth and just were so excited because it was just dogs. And it just made for such fun conversation and people brought their dogs in and we photographed the dogs with the collection and it made it a lot of fun. I've always loved commissioning portraits. If I find an artist that I love or somebody that is doing this sort of work to be able to commission that, whether it's a portrait, a painting, a sculpture, photograph, all of those things, again, it's just so meaningful. And I've been given gifts of portraits. I lost a dog, Millie, a year ago. And a friend of mine who I've never met before, who's a portraitist, he sent me a painting of Millie. And it's one of my prized possessions. So I can really see the value and the intrinsic value, especially for dog lovers, in collecting these pieces to have. And it's part of my prized possessions of my home. Well, I can imagine that that portrait that you received of your dog has got to be one of your favorites. Yeah, it really is. It really, and it captured her in a way that it took my breath away. If you look through time at how people have hung these portraits in their houses, people like a Brooke Astor, the great philanthropist. She was a huge fan of pet portraits and she would have them all over the house. If you look at pictures of her home in Briarcliff Manor, New York, 
her spiral staircase was lined with pet portraits, not necessarily, you know, masterworks, but just things that she loved. I love that story. And again, it kind of brings back this idea that the art, just having them remind you of the love that this animal has brought into your life. And it's a wonderful way to memorialize. I love everything that you're doing because you're helping to continue that memory with all of these wonderful pieces that you are representing and bringing to others. So grateful for your appreciation. And I do think they evoke those good feelings of the love of a dog and vice versa. So Cheryl, where can we find you online and where can we find your collection online? I have a website, annparkcollection.com, A-N-N-P-A-R-K-E, collection.com. And the Instagram is Ann, A-N-N, underscore park, P-A-R-K-E, underscore collection. Thank you. It's my pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. It was interesting to hear from Cheryl about the influence of Queen Victoria on the world of dogs and bringing them into the home. I respect how she even gave a royal designation to the Society of Cruelty Prevention for Animals and helped to advocate for dogs to be treated in a more humane way. I also love how an art movement of capturing our dogs came out of that time, with Cheryl helping keep the tradition alive today through her collection. Our dogs are only with us for chapters of our lives, but having their spirit captured in a piece of art helps keep these memories bright. Thank you for listening to this episode of Dog Save the People, a podcast about how dogs make our lives better. This show is made by As It Should Be, a production company and content studio. It is made with the support of Scott Benaglio, executive producer, and Jack Summer, our producer and editor. Special thanks to Daniel Lampert, our neighbor and composer, for creating the music for the show. You can follow Dog Save the People on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you like the show, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. You can also follow our show on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. To sign up for our monthly email newsletter, you can go to dogsavethepeople.com. On the website, you'll also find show merch in our online gift shop. This includes shirts from the Tiny Tim Rescue Fund, my foundation, where profits go to supporting independent rescues and shelters. If you have any questions or submissions, please drop a note to the email address bark at dogsavethepeople.com. New episodes come out every Tuesday, so see you next week for another episode from Dog Save the People. Enjoy a walk with your dog outside and make it a great day for both of you. Thank you.